Hey everybody, this is Karis Frigi, and this is a daily devotional podcast where I will read a portion of scripture, a new one every day, and then share some thoughts that I've written on it. I hope it encourages you. Good morning, everyone. Today is Saturday, uh, March 27th. And we're getting close to Easter, which is so exciting. Um, We're going to pick up today in John 16. We're going to read the last um, verses, starting in verse 16, and we'll finish the chapter. Again, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he's continuing. These chapters are actually, I don't know why they're broken into chapters even, because it's really one long thought. Um, And it is so much, it's really the the biggest piece that we hear from Jesus beside the Sermon on the Mount. And um, it's hard. It's a hard one to read and a hard one to even break down. There's so much to it. Um, So my hope today is that just by reading it together and then sharing some thoughts, we even see some things that the Lord would speak to us today um, in our own lives. So here we go, verse 16. Jesus says, A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again a little while, and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Is this what you're asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while, and you will not see me? And again a little while, and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she's delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been brought into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech, but the hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will plainly tell you about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, For the Father himself loves you, because you've loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it is come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I love that line in in this chapter where Jesus says, but your sorrow will turn into joy. He goes on to talk about when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she's delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. 
So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. I've been turning over a little verse in Psalm 30 that reminds me of this passage. It says, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Jesus is continuing to plainly tell them what lies ahead. They will have sorrow. The night may tarry. Sorrow, true sorrow sucks the air out of your lungs. It's incredibly, outstandingly painful. I've been surprised in seasons how deep pain can become, how blind the night can make our heart's eyes. The disciples will shortly find themselves gasping in bewilderment, moaning with grief. Their beloved master will hang pierced, the vision transfixed before their eyes. It is not what they expected. They had no room to even hear his warnings. Over and again, the gospels tell us that they didn't understand what he was talking about when he would talk about his crucifixion. They had no ear to hear the hard truth. They were following though the spotless lamb. They had heard John's bellowing greeting, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But they didn't logically conclude that each perfect lamb in Jewish history was slaughtered. It's blood used to cover the people. And this lamb would be the final pinnacle sacrifice. His blood spilled for every one of us once and for all. The promise of sorrow though is coupled with a promise of joy. There will be an exchange in that darkest moment. They will get something infinitely valuable after that gruesome sacrifice is made. Access. They will gain access to the heart of the Father, the path paved on the precious blood. Jesus says, in that day you will ask in my name and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I am going to the Father and have come into the world and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. What a beautiful savior. He spends these final moments giving hearty encouragement, sustenance-like words to his friends. He wants them to make it, knowing all the while what lies ahead for him and that each one of them will abandon him in his deepest pain. What a friend indeed. He goes on and he says, Behold, the, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered each to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So just before they scatter, he speaks this benediction. Have peace. Take heart. He has overcome the world. Not just the Roman soldiers and the cursed cross and the earthen grave, but even their own faithlessness. Take heart. He has overcome our inability to overcome. Thanks so much for listening today, everybody. I think... As we are heading into the crucifixion story, I'm just starting to feel, um, like reading these passages, I'm literally just starting to feel more. I feel like we're getting a glimpse into the most beautiful heart that ever existed, and that still exists. (laughs) And we're getting a glimpse into his final moments and how he was handling dread and pain and the expectation of both of those things and betrayal. And he 
I mean, we could study this when we should for the rest of our lives and just continue to glean from him. And I keep thinking that the people who wrote the rest of the New Testament, um, with the exception of the Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of it, but they, they had encounters with Jesus and they remembered these moments. And even as the Gospels were being written, they're, they're being told or being translated from these disciples' stories who, as they look back, and they consider these final moments of Jesus, I, I think they just must have been in awe, um, obviously, of walking with him for three years, but especially this, this, this greatest test of the human soul facing death and him willingly giving his life and them just reflecting back. And I think, honestly, as I look at the story, I'm seeing the weakness of humanity, how I mean, I'm always tempted when I read these stories to think, oh, I'd be the one disciple who wouldn't leave. And it's like, no, that's, that's just not true. We all would fall away. We all would be scattered. And without Jesus, we're just not faithful. And he makes us faithful. Thank you, Jesus. But we're just not very impressive on our own, you know. Um, and I was, it, it reminded me today of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I wanted to read it in the message. Um, it's a, the portion about jars of clay, if you're familiar with that part. But in the message, I just, I loved the way it, it talked about it. It says, if you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. And I just think that when they look back at their lives, these disciples who actually had pretty incredible lives after this, some of them, you know, their shadows were healing people in the book of Acts. It's like crazy the things they were able to do. But I think there was this deep-seated humility that even came out of the season, seeing that only Jesus was the one who stayed faithful to the end and who loved them to the end. They couldn't even say that they loved him well in these final moments. And I think it also sets us free at least I don't know where you're at, but if you're in a low place and your your heart is just weary or heavy or you're missing it or you look back and you think, man, I totally missed what God was trying to do. I just think resting in the character of Jesus, resting in the fact that he knows our weakness so well and it doesn't um, prevent him from loving us. He does want to call us higher and he does want to give us strength and these disciples go on to live incredible lives, but in this moment, he's still loving them, knowing that they're about to betray him and leave him and flee. Um, so anyway, somehow that encouraged me today. I hope it encourages you. We're going to get into John chapter 17 tomorrow, which is really exciting because it's Jesus praying. Um, and it is the only place that we find Jesus praying, at least for this long. He prays outside of um, Lazarus's tomb for a little bit, but this is a, a conversation that we're getting of Jesus praying one-on-one -on -one that we're hearing. And I think he's still praying like this. Hebrew says that he lives to make intercession, but I'm actually getting into tomorrow, so I'm gonna stop. But it's so good, and I can't wait to get into it with y'all. So have a wonderful Saturday. We'll see you back here tomorrow.